0: Last week we well not last week two weeks ago man it's been a minute huh. The Lord really put on my heart to share about to share about the abundant life and the prosperous soul and and uh, so we're going to be sharing for the next few weeks on the prosperous soul and 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 just everything that comes along. The Bible says that the 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 Lord said I pray that you would be in health and prosper just as your soul prospers. And it's so important that, um, it's so important that we understand that it's it's the prosperous soul that God is looking for. That that we must live this life not defeated, but on the offense, not the defense. And I was in in you know we talked a few weeks ago, and today I want to share about something that I believe is so important to us, and it really is obtaining the promises and more importantly it's so funny pastor sarah was singing about this theme all morning it's remembering the things that god has done for you it is an absolute essential for the prosperous soul meaning you know a prosperous soul doesn't come up on an x-ray do you understand it's an unspoken thing it's it's a soul that's blessed it's 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 peace filled it's not full of turmoil it's full of the blessing of the lord and 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 you know uh, it's so vitally important that you and I both really understand and remember God's works. There are promises that we're called to attain. It doesn't mean that we see them, but it's God's invitation to you. The Bible is filled. It's one big, it's yours. The Bible is one big invitation to a, to a life of the supernatural and peace and blessing and, you know, when I was sitting over, oh, I went to the hospital to visit Fred, you know, and, and, and Marlena, who, my Lord, don't we all want a Marlena by our bed if we're sick? You know what I mean? This woman's there, you know, after burying her husband. And just a short time later, she's declaring the promise over her son. And I said, you know, you know how many moms would be in this position and, and, their, and their children probably wouldn't make it? Now you say, man, that's a hard thing to say. No, it's not. The truth is if we don't obtain these promises and put them into practice, then we don't see them demonstrated in our lives. We are people that must stand on his word. All that touched him were made whole. It's not, it's its our uh, uh, d- necessity to touch him. Do you understand? There are people that did not get healed when or touched or made whole when Jesus was around. It wasn't because he tried and couldn't. It's because we live in a day today that Jesus puts the standard out and we still touch him or we don't. And, and I've seen so many people that get a phone call that someone in their family is going septic and all of us immediately think death because that's what we're trained to think and that's what we're told and that's the outcome of most of this. But then here's a mom in a family going, no, it's not going to happen. And she's sitting over him and singing worship and declaring promises and I'm sharing scriptures with her and she's sharing them back. And, 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 and it was so, it was so refreshing. That it wasn't just a one way conversation. And, and, and it's fine if it is. That's why I'm a pastor. I sit on many bedsides and I share scripture after scripture after scripture. But here, this woman was like, Yeah, and the word also says this. And I'm like, You're right. And it also, and I could feel faith build in this room. And I thought, man, so many people have been in this room and it's not faith filled. I mean Christians, I mean pastor families. I told you, there was one 23-year-old that was on, basically on life support. And I got a phone call, and I knew him from a prior church in the area, and, and all these Bible school students and all these preachers, it was like a funeral already in the room. And I looked at my wife, I said, baby, let me just, let me just throw something out here real quick. If I'm ever in this condition, don't let any somber person ever walk in this room bring in the worship team, I want so the screamer, I want the one that's reading the word, I don't want the, man, this is a library in this room. For me to even pray out loud was like, I'm crazy. No, you're crazy. You've already admitted defeat by walking in here scared. Look, I know it seems irrational. You've got to disattach from the world. If someone's dying of cancer and Jesus is with us, the odds change. This is the gospel. And, and we must obtain the promises. Jesus said, "All you know, one of the last charges he gave in Matthew 25, he said, you know, all power, all power in heaven and earth is, belongs to me. And, and A, he gave it to us. And B, he said, go make disciples of every nation, baptizing them and preaching and teaching the kingdom. The message hasn't changed even though we've altered it. He gave us a message, but just because the messenger hasn't kept the message doesn't mean that we that it's any less of a message. It's just few and few people believing the message. Gosh, if New London's getting quiet, I don't know what's gonna happen anymore. Lord Jesus, help me. (laughs) Psalm 105 5. And you can write these down, it's so many different promises. And again, these are absolute, this is absolute promises from the word over your life. Psalm 105.5 says, it says, remember his marvelous works, which he's done, his wonders in the judgment of his mouth. Remember his works. Psalm 111, I'm turning there with you, so you should be able to turn. Psalm 111, uh, 4 and 5 says, He's made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's given food to those that fear him, and, and, and he will ever be mindful of the covenant. And that's how we must live. Psalm 77. Again, I'm turning there with you. Psalm 77 Uh, Verse 11 says, I'll remember the works of the Lord. Surely I'll remember the wonders of old. Psalm 78, this is going to be not so happy. Psalm 78, verse 11, uh, basically says this. Verse 10, they did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them and the marvelous things. Here it is than they did in the sight of their fathers. Did you hear that? It's, just, it's talking about the Israelites, right? Remember, Moses went through this desert experience. They were coming in out of the promised land, and there was a whole generation that basically, in, in layman's terms, they drank from the river and they died in the wilderness. And in the, in, in the hardest times of their life, God would show up, Right? You know, cloud by day, fire by night. Manna from heaven. It was in the hardest seasons of their life that they got the greatest miracle. But they still whined to go back to Egypt, and they died off. In the and, and I always wondered why did the, the whole generation die off? And it's because they forgot the works of the Lord. It's because what God did for their fathers died off by the time it hit their generation. The Bible is filled with remembering the works of the Lord. You know the shepherds had their staff marked. The Bible's filled with why? Because it is an absolute key for you today. Because the enemy would want us to live like he's not done anything for you. And the enemy wants every trial to be like new and God's not coming through. No, he's been faithful. He may not meet your time requirements. He, you might not always be able to ask why. Come on now. Uh, you may not be living the world I'm living in, but I've seen some horrible things. And I know, I know there's answers for everything. Some of them I, I may not get till I get to heaven, but it doesn't change his faithfulness. And the enemy, what he wants to do is he wants to take truths that have been established for years and have them die off by another generation. You know, we bought this beautiful building. Let me tell you something. Sean Bolts gave me a word years ago. Years ago, I was in Maine. Actually, the first time I met Chad, I was ministering. And he said, I feel like God's going to give you a building that was used during the Great Awakening. Well, it's hard to find around here. <laughs> and when we were looking for a building, and, you know, this steeple was, like, in our office view on Masonic Street. And I looked, and I researched every building in, in, this, in New London, and sure enough, this had radical revival history. Like, radical. Like, like the list of mega ministries that want to get these pews in the balcony, I I don't have enough for them. This ain't you know come get a bench for four hundred bucks engaging heaven. You know what I mean? This is people around the world want want a piece of what God has done, and whatever it might be a token, who knows? Prayer bench. But the truth is when I when I came here, I have these history books of the ch- the history of this church, two huge history volumes. Only one chapter is the Great Awakening. Like one, like, you know, 10-year little spin. That's it. in the whole history of this church. So the people, by the time they got this history book, that was the part that they didn't want. And so when I sat down with these, which I love all these people, by the way. When I sat down, I was like, yes, this building has so much meaning to me because of this. And they were like, What? This is the part that we were raised was wrong. It was fanaticism. What? This was the part that caused 200 out of 250,000 people in all of New England saved. No, this is fanaticism. The stuff that went on in New London, no, no, no. This is actually the stuff that I'm chasing after that I know God is gonna restore one day. No, they did weird things. They were free. No, they burned stuff in front of this church. They were burning idols. They were close to God. You're missing it. But it opened my eyes to how one generation, I mean, my Lord, that only in a hundred plus years, then we have eradicated the Great Awakening. I know, I know. And if you walk through New England today, I remember we went to Enfield to, you know, there's a stone there that talks about the, you know, I remember going to Enfield asking everybody, where's the rock? What rock? Police, where's the rock? What rock? Churches, knock. Where is the rock with Jonathan and What rock? I'm like, do I have to find the guy that made the rock? <laughs> Nobody knew that in the middle of Enfield, Connecticut, there's a massive stone that says this site marks the first spot of the first meeting house where Jonathan Edward preached in the, in, in, in the era known as the Great Awakening began here. Nobody, man, they drive over the rock. They don't have a clue it's there. Because the enemy wants to take what God did and he wants to erase it from a generation and then cause everyone to have to fall again. And so now New England is just full of fanaticism and show and come on, man, whatever I can do to appeal to your flesh and I don't want to offend you and please don't leave. And what have happened? In July, I mean, in 2011, you might know, you might not know. Well, turn with me to Deuteronomy 4. Sorry, this is, I need to read you a scripture and then show you some powerful things. Man, I love, I mean, there's some stuff in Deuteronomy. But I want to read just. Just one, one, one thing to you, Deuteronomy 4. Two, two verses, do you got it? Come on, y'all getting a workout in your Bible this morning. Deuteronomy 4, verse 5 says, Surely I have taught you the statutes and judgments, just as the Lord your God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Verse 9, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself unless you forget the things your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and grandchildren. Man, that is intense. In, in uh, I believe it was 2011... There was, a, there was a tsunami that hit Japan. You can, I think we have pictures of it, just the tsunami that hit. You can show them. It, it was so devastating. I'm talking about five-plus thousands and thousands. They still don't have the death toll of a tsunami that hit. One of these is so bad. That's all life. The next picture is a person that stood up on the mountainside and saw it and then drew this picture. That's literally what they saw. They said it was out of a fiction. Nobody would survive. Everyone died in this tsunami. And it's so interesting because in this town on the coast of Japan, I'm not going to try to butcher the name of it, it was a coastal town, and then there was like, you know, mountains, and then you get to the top of it, and, and, and most people live there. But all these people get wiped out by a tsunami, and and it, it kind of, you know, it kind of shocked everybody. And, and, and on the plantains leading up from the coastline, uh, in, in the hamlet of, of, of Anaya Osha, there is 1,000 of these planted. Show this. There's 1,000 of these planted all throughout the hillside in Japan. So you saw the coast, this, this tsunami rocks, right? And and they're basically like these markers. We do have the slides for those guys. They're like these markers, and and they're just sitting. They're just sitting in the woods. They're sitting along walkways. You know, nobody pays attention to them. And there's thousands, there's at least a thousand of these sitting all over the hill. And here's what they say. Listen. Listen. High dwellings are the peace and harmony of our descendants. Remember the calamity of the great tsunami and do not build any homes below this point. So you could be walking your dog and your five-year-old say, Mommy, what does that marker say? And you would look at it and go, oh, it's, just a, it's something about a memory of a tsunami that hit you know, that, that, you know, our ancestors put there. Your ancestors were warning you from the grave that this would happen again. And, and can you imagine? Let me put in someone else's words so you don't think I'm attacking Japan. Yatoru Hamaruta, a scholar that studied the tablets, said this is his quote, ready? People had this critical knowledge, but they were busy with their lives and their jobs, and they all forgot. He said it took three generations for people to forget that those that experienced the death to themselves passed it on to their children and their grandchildren, but then the memory faded away. To the point where no generation believed. So in this city, let me tell you something, a lot of people survived. The older folks, the ones that just knew my house was handed to me for my grandma and this is where I'm living. But all the other generation, they wanted to be near the water. They wanted to be building big, big, big business and city lights and oh, at, who cares? This is what feels right. This is what seems perfect. And, and in our lifetime, we just saw everyone forget. There are people that didn't forget. Because they lived in their homes up on the hill for a reason. And they knew any moment it's been warned to us it could happen again. Somebody got so killed. Somebody got so devastated that they said, we will never, ever, ever build down there again. And, I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, you see this, this, and it looks like there's a, no, the mountain is where everybody lives. And the mountain didn't get touched one bit. And it's horrible. I mean, it's absolutely tragic on the greatest level. But people were warned. If not, they neglected the markers. And I began to think from the Great Awakening until now, I mean, we we are about a few generations away from Pentecost being eradicated, from the enemy wanting to er eliminate encountering God from our vocabulary so we can settle for this dead religion that doesn't set us free. William Booth said the church must wake up because secularism has invaded the church. It's so important to stand on God's promises and remember. We've got to remember the works of the Lord. We've got to remember his mighty deeds. We, we can't turn a blind eye to what, to what history has told us and the word has ultimately told us. Because I believe that it's going to take a generation to wake up and come back to its place of remembering the works of the Lord. Um, In Habakkuk, there's so many different scriptural parallels here. Um, But in Habakkuk, it's, you know, this little prophetic book tucked away in the Bible. Basically, The judgments were beginning to fall, and Habakkuk began to call on the Lord for mercy. There was such a spiritual decline in Judah, and sin was taking over, and at this point, they couldn't avoid it. Judgments were falling. It wasn't a question of if. It was blasting. And and Habakkuk rises up in chapter 3, verse 2, and says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid, but revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath, remember mercy. In verse, and then he goes on in verse 13. He says, You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation was with your anointed. You struck the head of the house of the wicked by laying bare from the foundations. Verse 15: You walked through the sea and your horses through the listen, he's reminding God in himself of the promises. That is so powerful. It takes zero prophetic insight to look at a nation that's lost its way and say, you're going to turn to a bad place. It takes zero wisdom to find somebody that's hurt and living a rough life and say, man, the end doesn't look good for you. That takes zero wisdom. Matter of fact, you could do that in your own flesh by deductive reasoning. But when a nation is doomed for judgment... For a person to rise up and say, no, God, your mercy is still greater. I re- I'm reminding you and myself that, that you spare those imparted the Red Sea, that you're a deliverer by nature, that this is who you are. That is what God is looking for. When everybody is saying judgment and gloom for prophets of hope to say, that's not the God I serve, It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a cancer scare or lie or a sickness or a purpose for a region or destiny. It's still or every single day's decision in your life. To open your mouth and stand for righteousness, to stretch out your hand to be a, a friend to somebody, to love on people that are unlovely. Whatever it is that we face, you are the one that carries hope because of Christ in you. But we're watching in our short watch. So many people, not he, the ones that went before us. You know, they had all those hymnal books in this church. But then they had, so that was like the new printing, although it was like, you know, from like the 40s. Then they had hymnal books that they didn't put out anymore from like 1700s. Let me tell you something. You open that up for a minute, life changes. These people didn't write songs to make you happy in your flesh. These people wrote from the depths of their circumstances about the promises of God and the anchor that he is in. And, you know, more songs about the blood than you could ever imagine. And, and it's like it's almost like that was a marker. I'm reading it like a marker on that hill in Japan. and I'm going, man, they knew something they they didn't let go of those things we live in such a fast-paced crazy world where, where you're probably going to have 3000 different impressions and ideas to buy into by the time you go to bed this is not the days of one newspaper arriving at your doorstep and that telling you the story that isn't even how this life works everybody thinks they got a voice everybody's trying to sway you one way or another but if it's not standing on the foundation of Christ it's not going to last And we have got to guard our hearts in this hour because if we're going to live in a prosperous life, I'm not talking about money. This has nothing to do with money. A prosperous soul is a soul that's at peace, is a soul that is filled with promise, is a person that is living with expectancy and hope and all those things that need to invade life. Watching God restore the broken, watching him heal the wounded, watching him lift the heads of, To say, don't trust anyone that doesn't walk with a limp, you know. And I remember, you know, I, 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 straight up, I don't, I try not to do events all around New England. I just can't, man. Every week, somebody wants me to do their deal. I have no time for this. There are covenant friends that God's given me that I want to help, you know, in the region. And I remember I was doing an event in, in Tallinn recently, you know, and they got all these worship leaders on the platform, and they're all like trying to ask me, right? Because I don't know, maybe Pastor Sarah's like some weird standard, but they're like, what do you think of this? What do you you know? And, and I'm looking at it, and, and what do I know? I know nothing about anything. And and, and there was one woman on the stage who was singing, and I said, She's amazing, and I'm gonna tell you why, because she's so hurt, she's been so hurt, and she's still beautiful. Oh, someone on the inside. And, and I said it, I think I said it to somebody and, and after the, 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 somebody, the man of God was in the back room, he's like, how could you, why would you even say that? That somebody was so struck you because they've been hurt. I said, man, I love that because life isn't, life's full of hurt people. It's just whether you're willing to admit it, let yourself get healed and move on from what you've been through in life. And when I can find somebody that's been that hurt, there was a dude at the breakfast program this week. And I walked in. Man, you feel you know this guy's been through life. I mean, life, dude. And he's just smiling. I'll tell you what, the dude. I know that you know the dude ain't perfect. You know he has a lot of needs and issues. But he's just smiling. I thought, man, that's beautiful. That's going through the things of life. And who knows, to maybe to my knowledge, without the Lord, which is even more embarrassing for the church. But I looked at this girl and I said, you've been hurt. I said she's been hurt, she's been put down, but through all these things, she's stayed beautiful to the Lord, and she loves Jesus. You see it so deep inside her. God will change the world through that person. That's what a prosperous soul is. It's when we can go through the hardest things of life. I don't want, I don't want a place filled with people that seem to have it together. Man, I want the overcomers with people that have been through hell and back. They've they've taken hits. See, most of Christianity wants to judge that person because they fake like they're not there. It's markers, man. It's markers that set you free, that allow you to remember in your life what God has done. Everywhere I travel, I get some old lady that wants to hug me, ask me why I have the words broken on my arm. How could I ever explain that to somebody? How could I ever in words tell you through the worst season of my life, God says, if you stay broken, I'll change the world through. How do I ever explain that to you? That I needed a marker in my life to to remind me where I came from and what I've been through. That I've sat with princes and kings of nations and told them my testimony. Legitimately all you see is a bunch of words I see a mile marker man that I'll never forget what God has done for me because the minute you forget where you've come from and you forgot what God has done for you you, 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 you would disqualify yourself from seeing more you so consumed with what God what you need from him but man I'm cons- I'm wondering if you even remember what he's done for you where you would be without him come on well, I don't feel like I wish this was different. And I wish God would No, I, man, you are blessed. You are blessed. Say, I'm blessed. Man, you're blessed. God's blessed you. Come on. Ain't nobody living 100%, but He's blessed us. You feel 100% because of His promise. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. We're blessed to be here. We're blessed to be where we are, to have family and friends. Or, or even if you feel alone, you're never alone. There's people that love you. There's people in this room that love you. Stop listening to the lies and start building on his promise. In every situation, give thanks. In the worst situation ever, find something to say, I oh, man, I thank you for this. That is what a prosperous soul looks like. a marker of the things that God has done. The, the men and women that built this building, dude, they didn't build it on conservative things that, are, that seem to be anti-fullness. You don't build this building because you don't know, what you like, you just want something that looks good. No, you build this because there's such a need for people and there's tens of thousands that can't fit and you're like, we're just going to build something to honor God so we can worship in. And in the men and women that built this place and put all that little, it's just a shell if you don't have the values. It's just another dead library. But to those that know, it's a, it's a marker. It's a marker in New England of what God can do again and what he did before. And it's going to be greater. I'm not looking for yesterday's bread. But I'll tell you what, I I thank God for what he's done. I thank God for what he's done in our lives. We cannot forget the things that God has done. That's what the enemy would want you to do. So it doesn't matter this morning. It doesn't matter if you're, if you feel like you're in a tornado or not. God's with you. I've seen people go through the worst circumstance of life. And I've I've almost forced them to go back into the trauma because God's there. Because you need to know He was faithful. The day I stopped asking why and I started knowing that nothing just happens, that He is the director of the tapestry of my life, then I realized that I'm blessed. I don't get to choose my parents or lack of do you follow what I'm saying? I didn't get to choose the fact that I will never know my crazy murderer freak out dad and I can't change the fact that they changed my last name at five dude. At five years old that I was born one way they called me it for five years and then my mom and had some hookup at the city hall in new london and the girl i don't even know if it was legal the girl scratched out my name and just wrote james levesque i ain't got a dime of french in me not a not a lick i like french fries and french bread and french roast you know what i mean there ain't a lick of french and people always want to, i can't identify with it i've been to paris And I'll never forget that I was standing in France about to minister. And as I'm going up the pastor says, "Man, you have such a powerful French name and blah, blah blah and I'm like, "Sorry dude. There's not a dime of French in me. You know what I mean? I like your food. I like that salami thing with the butter and the bread. Y'all know how to do some food. But there ain't nothing for French. I'm sorry." And I go, and this is like, you know, the awkward, this moment where I'm introducing a speaker and handing a mic. He's trying to do it right now. It's like awkward. And he's like, well, don't you want to know what your name means? And I'm thinking, right now? There's like uh, 500 people waiting to hear from me. And You want like, to have a coffee, want a biscuit? He says, well, don't you want to know what your name means? I said, fine, tell me what my name means. He said, everywhere in the Bible that it says Levek. It literally translates the bishop so when your name actually reads James the bishop and i I must I thought it was somebody that planned to give you the most royal last name you could ever have I need the mic I don't have time to tell you but let me just say you don't have a clue and it was at that moment I thought I was fighting whether to change it and I'm thinking I have no connection. I'll just pick up my mom's Italian last name. We'll figure something out. I don't know. But then it's in that moment you just know it's God. That in the midst of pain and crazy, the Lord's like, no, you're going to be a bishop. And I'm going to give you a last name that's going to prophesy your existence. And while most people would complain and whine and get mad and wish they were dealt different hands and wish they had a different situation, I'm just reminded that he heals brokenness and that he doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. So when the enemy's trying to lie to you and almost make you feel like you need to be better, no, your brokenness is your qualification. Dysfunction is our invitation to the life. There's no such thing as a gospel that you need to be good enough for. The Bible says while you were unlovely, he loved you. While we were a mess, he died for you. While we were crazy and lost, he forgave and overcame for us. That's the gospel we serve. And quite frankly, I want to fill my life with crazy people that have just been hurt by the, the life the, and they've overcome. And they're beautiful inside. And they're not allowing life to transform who, who they are on the inside. Let's stand. I'm getting hungry. Sorry. It's late. These kids are bouncing downstairs. <laughs> Man, I feel faith. Man, I feel hope. You know what I want you to do? I want you and your life this week I'm going to pray in a moment, but what I want you to do this week, I want you to open your mouth over the mountains in your life, over the cloud of tornadoes that are forming around you. I want you to open your mouth and begin to speak to it. I want you to tell your children they're blessed. I want you to tell your spouse that he's wonderful and you forgive him. I want you to begin to open your mouth and exercise the word of the Lord because you will you will create the life you want by your words. I'm not talking about faking your situation. Bible says that that we believe therefore we confess we must be people that speak life it takes no strength to say I'm gonna die or my kids won't amount to nothing or it's not gonna come through or I don't know why you're this or why you know what I mean don't don't tell your kids why are you crazy don't speak to them like that don't say things to your husband like you know come on man how the enemy loves that stuff, man. That's where he comes in. If you you ever even jokingly talk about divorce, man, you, you curse in your life. We don't live like this. We don't let those words come in our life in marriage. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you this morning for your word. And I thank you for the prosperous soul. I thank you that we remember this morning you. We remember the works of the Lord. And Father, in this place with these radical people, God, I just pray for every person, every circumstance, every family, every child. Lord, I thank you that we're blessed this morning. God, I thank you that every lie in our mind is going to be broken. All the confusion is going to clear in the name of Jesus. God, we stand on your promises. We stand on your word. We choose this day to eat off the tree of good we choose this life to fix our eyes on things above and not on the earth beneath lord i thank you for provision i thank you for protection i thank you for peace i thank you for joy i thank you that no matter what we face in this life you are with us and with you nothing is impossible with you nothing is impossible God, I pray as we leave this week, it'd be a week of breakthrough. Our eyes would be open. Our mouths would only speak your words. In the name of Jesus, we break off negativity. We break off distraction. We curse drama at the root. We will not participate in crazy in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for breakthrough. And we thank you that you are a faithful God. You're faithful. Come on, just say, God, you're faithful. Come on, from your mouth. God, you're faithful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Do you believe it this morning, church? Come on, give the Lord a hand. We love you guys. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.